Welcome to the CoinRivet podcast. I'm Jeff Gross. CoinRivet makes it easy to buy, sell, send, and store cryptocurrencies quickly in one place. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all future episodes. All right. Welcome, everyone. We have another very special guest today on the podcast. It's number 165, my man, Lon McCarran in the building. Lon, how are you doing? Hey, Jeff. Good to see you. Nice to actually see your face. We were playing on a charity event online the other day. Uh, so it's actually good to see you. Thanks. Yes, you as well. You as well. I think we battled in a couple of those. It's been, it's been a couple interesting years with COVID, a bit crazy, everything a little off, and obviously online things more more online centered with poker these days, but getting back to normal. How, uh, how have you been? What have you been up to? Anything new during this these COVID times? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, COVID the first year or so was very, very slow since we had no World Series in the summer managed to drag one out into december so it got a, a little work uh but yeah it was it was pretty dry period it has been very active since they ramped up again with the delayed world series of poker um this last year and then norman and i have been in post-production with our group uh until just um a week ago we finished the season so we did all we did all the live calls from las vegas and then they produce 15 one-hour programs that will be like the old style uh, kind of highlight format, folks like to call it. And so we just finished that. We were down in Los Angeles. And uh, those will have begun airing already on CBS Sports Network. And uh, so you can check my Twitter, and I'll be putting out when those shows come out. CBS Sports Network still trying to find their way with exactly where to put uh, the World Series shows. They have problems with... Uh, college basketball games that have been COVID delays, so they got to plug those in, and that changes our schedule for the World Series. But uh, we'll come back after the Olympics are done, and um, you can watch the end of. And they run, they rerun their shows a lot, so it's nice to be on CBS Sports Network right now. So I've been very busy until last Friday. Now uh, golf and skiing time for me now here in Northern California. Very nice. And how is how is since I mean you've been the the voice, they call it the voice of poker, you know, with ESPN since what, 2002, um, Norman as well. You guys are kind of, you know, hand in hand. There is no, I, I don't, I don't think about the world series of poker without you guys. How has it changed and evolved from over the years looking back now? I mean, cause you had a career, you did some, I think pro bowling, maybe even later on, you have some X games, you've done other stuff within TV. And then I think you took a break and they called you back for this, if I'm not mistaken. Can you maybe tell well, me? Well, yeah, it was a, it was a, a kind of a forced, break. I, I don't like to tie the two together, but uh, there was a moment where uh, a lot of the world shut down after 9-11. And I uh, was at the, what I thought had been the height of my career uh, when everything shut down. And then that shut my career down. And then uh, I must have been nice to somebody at ESPN because when I had gotten away from TV, I got a call from a producer uh, at ESPN saying, hey, we're doing poker. Can you do it? And then like, well, let me check with my boss to see if uh, I have enough vacation time at the bank. <laughs> Luckily, I did. So, yeah, it, it's been a, a, a rocky road for many decades now. And that's freelance sportscasting, really, you know. Well, well so tell me about that. I'm not, I'm, I don't understand exactly. So you were you were doing sportscasting because of this 9-11, tragic event, this thing that, that sort of pause what because what were you what exactly well i was yeah my first show on espn um i got onto espn only because like every sportscaster back in the day they want to be on this uh, what was a new network kind of uh espn2 was certainly new 
And so that was the goal. You know, I'd done local sports, been the local nightly sportscast guy in a small station in Southern California, moved up to the San Francisco Bay Area and worked as a sportscaster and sports producer for most of the stations in San Francisco. But the goal was to kind of get as big as you can. And then with ESPN, uh, really, as the leader, the worldwide leader in sports, really, um, they lived up to their name. So everyone wanted to work for them. So I actually started a sports production company with a fellow producer, and we produced um, a TV show for ESPN. We, we convinced uh, a guy out of uh, Laguna Seca, the racetrack down in the uh, Carmel area, Monterey area, in California. Uh, they were doing a, a bastardized triathlon uh, without the swimming uh, that involved mountain biking and road cycling and running. And the marquee name uh, competing at that point was Lance Armstrong before he really got heavily into cycling. He ended up winning it. We uh, produced the program, got it on ESPN. And of course, as producer, I had choice in who was going to be the actual on-air announcer. So I hired me. And that was my first uh, time I was on ESPN. And that kind of led to doing some stuff for ESPN too. Uh, so they got to you know, know me and trust me. I became a regular field producer and announcer for different events there. And then, as mentioned, all budgets uh, went to hell in 01. And I lost all my work. And I was out of work for like two years and finally gave up TV. Had a friend who worked at a bank. I became a loan officer for a bank in California. And then uh, a couple of years later, I got a, this call out of the blue from a, an ESPN producer saying we're doing a poker show. And that led to the World Series and that to poker paying my mortgage now for 20 years. There you go. It all comes, it all comes full circle. So it's kind of crazy. <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's a, one of those examples about now what happens, you know, how you react to what happens and, and really you never know, right? Like black Friday oh, yeah. or things that maybe seem so terrible personally, right? Because obviously these are things that are just not good as a whole or seem colossus and then, you know, find silver lining or, find a way that things can kind of shift or you kind of create. Well, yeah, it, it's, it is. Uh, it's a nice point you bring up Jeff. Cause it's, it's, um, it's a life lesson that you don't learn until many, many years later that, you know, the path that looks so disastrous um, is opening a door somewhere else. And um, you have to, to look for it. You have to examine it, try to figure it out. But in the moment it's near impossible to be able to do that. So, you just have to make the best of each day and, and try to make the best decisions for yourself and your people and um, your dogs and cats and, and hope that it works out and trust yourself. And um, I had to trust myself. and I, I, I believed that I was good at what I did and that it would eventually happen. Maybe if I were a different personality, I would have been more aggressive. I really never had an agent uh, that did anything for me. Um, and maybe I could have gone that path. When I was a TV broadcaster at a small station, I stayed there much longer than I should have just because I had family and didn't want to move them around the United States. I wanted a little more stable environment for them. So that probably cost me some years at a larger you know, venue. Um, but you know, it, things work out how I guess they were going to work out. And I'm very happy about that. And, and give me a bit of your poker background because you get called up. I mean, you've done some other like X games and um, you know, bowling and stuff like you 
would you say at that time were you versed in poker? Did you play it a lot? Oh no, <laughs> no. When, uh, my my ESPN career was it was being thrown weird offbeat uh, X Games type sports before there were X Games, and so that was kind of my my bailiwick within the ESPN world, uh, and that's how they knew me in, in the offices back in Bristol, Connecticut. Like you know, uh, you know. Chris Berman's not going to do this. Who can we give this to? I'll give it to McCarran out in California. It's weird. Enough. Oh, you so so you. But did you? How often did you go to Bristol? Or, or really never? But like that. You no, I went a couple times just to schmooze. I was never right. there for work. Um, right. But I made a point to to pop in once in a while just to remind people. Uh, you know, I was there. I got to meet Susie Colbert, and that was, that was cool. Um, but. Uh, yeah, there was no need to be there uh, as a freelance guy. They just, you know, shipped stuff to to me in California and said, hey, go here. Um, at one point for a few years, when ESPN2 first started working, I was a field reporter just doing like uh, producing three to five minute reports on these oddball sports with uh, a little, I had a producer and I had a camera guy. Um, we were kind of a team and we'd just travel around the U.S. Uh, and... That was how I got to do the Tour de France one year, start to finish, sending reports back to ESPN. Uh, still a, a highlight of my career, big cycling fan. So um, you just kind of make your way and, and do do what you can um, and and make ends meet. And, uh, uh, you know, it's been a great career for me, not the highlight career of, you know, an Al Michaels or, or somebody like that. But I love what I do. I, I love what I have done. That, that's awesome. And so how did you learn? So what happened then when you, when they tell you, okay, oh, yeah, we're, we're talking about poker, weren't we? Sorry. No, well, that's good. I, this is good. I like the, I like the, the, the sort of, uh, I learned to play poker with our, with our crew. You know, we, I, I didn't, I was a good interviewer as kind of how um, I made my way early on with ESPN. I was a good interviewer of people who were not known, who were interesting. And um, I had a, a real drive to be able to, to, you know, want to bring out, these insights of these athletes and these sports personalities or business personalities within the sports world. And so that's how I, I got into the, the broadcasting. And that was the initial uh, impetus of the shows was kind of to learn about poker for myself, but also play the novice poker viewer uh, from the booth side and interview um, the people that I would work with kind of in an hour long format while watching poker and learning it myself started playing uh, with the TV crew because the TV crew were not versed necessarily in the, the ways of poker. And so we would play during the breaks uh, at the World Series of Poker. Weirdly enough, we didn't have any poker chips to play with. We had tables and we had cards. And during dinner break, we would um, go and look at, at our uh, big craft table and see what we could use. And we ended up uh, taking the, the red vine candy and cutting them up into different links. And they would that would be our poker chips. And we would, we would bet, betting pieces of red vine licorice uh, during the dinner break. And uh, the, the conference room table at the production company went from being a regular table to being a glass covered uh, poker table. And then every night when we were in New York doing the production, we would play poker then and you know you just you're in it that long you have to kind of learn how to play and everybody who was actually producing the shows um were a uh, part of the poker boom in the in a fan sense as well they love producing it but uh we all learned to play together so that was a lot of fun 
Very cool. I mean, and you know, you talk Bonnie and Clyde, Batman and Robin, you got Lon and Norm, Norman, what is, what's this, where did this come in? How did you know them beforehand or did you guys get paired up for this project? What, what's your, how did you guys, did you seem like friends for, for life, you know, like I can't think of without one, without the other and the yeah. thing works. So where, where did that come in and how did they find that match? Uh, it was random. And again, it was lucky. Uh, I did know Norman's work before I worked with him as he wrote an NFL picks column um, in his uh, comedy style. Every Friday, it would come out in syndicated newspapers. And the paper I was reading at that point when I was living in the Bay Area was the San Jose Mercury News. And so they ran it every Friday. And uh, my wife always knew when I was reading his column because I was laughing. You know, it was just crazy. Something about his humor and his his wit and his intellect just struck me um struck a chord in me and so then i heard i was going to be working with him and he's only working uh because he was kind of a consultant for espn and uh they came to him and talked say we're going to do some poker what do you think and he gave some ideas and was like who should be the co-host um and he they gave some names and but they didn't want to rely on a pro poker player because they might actually be in the event and they couldn't work the shows so they wanted somebody who was not an active pro and they just looked at norman and said you make us laugh on the telephone when during our conference calls why don't you do the shows he said uh okay and uh so we first met uh probably day three or four of the main event 2003 at Binion's and um we just hit it off you know we appreciated each other and and what we could bring to the shows and it was different but it complemented each other and then my first few shows with him again were basically like an hour-long interview on what are we seeing why are they doing this um as we all gradually learned uh more and more about poker but we were Again, part of the wave, figuring out poker, learning poker, uh, but coming at it from a little different angle, trying to present it all to the people as well. So uh, fortuitous uh, and, you know, one of those things that just this happened and we caught lightning in a bottle. So uh, hopefully for some people, they, they think the lightning is still uh, shining bright. That's nice. Yes, it is. And and so 2002, you were doing this already and then you were with someone else. And then in 2003, Nor Norman came in. Is that right? Yeah, it was it was actually a different production group. Uh, it was just a guy who used to shoot all the main events for the longest time. He had a little crew, and um, he had shot a lot of the main events many years, and then he put a show together. So uh, it was this random guy, and not random. He had a little production company in Las Vegas, but a big poker fan. So um, he shot the O2 main event, but nobody ever had any interest in airing it. And finally, he convinced uh, ESPN to air the show. And so it was January in 03, uh, which is what, like seven months later, because the World Series a little earlier in the year, that I got a call saying, uh, this guy's got some shows from the World Series. Do you want to do it? Again, one of those odd projects that nobody else in, at ESPN wanted to do. So they gave it to me. And uh, then he convinced Gabe Kaplan to be the co-host. And uh, so he and I met up in Las Vegas and we went into a booth and um, pieced together a couple of shows that became the World Series of Poker 2002. And then shortly thereafter is when ESPN decided to go with a much stronger commitment to do the 03 um, main event for, I think it was six or seven shows. So um, 
at that, then that was given to a different production company, much more formalized. Is that um, with Maury? Uh, no, no, it was 441 Productions out of New York. Uh, Matt Morantz and his group, who did the first uh, seven or eight years of the World Series. Um, and uh, it just, you know, luckily, again, talk about lightning in a bottle, Chris Moneymaker winning in 03. And so we were off and running and we were a team. And, and when did you know? This was like pretty special because you've done stuff. You've been in sports for so long. You know, you've had, you've been, you've been in the mix. You've been around, you've been in it. But did you know this was different? Were you like, wow. Like, did you imagine after that year or that production, was it when numbers came out? Was it when feedback, like, does everyone know it's a winner right there? Or when you get that feedback that it's a success? It took a long time to, to get that feedback um, because the way those shows were produced and the way that 441 producer shows, um, they were finely crafted documentaries. And, and that was their background. They were documentary producers. They were not sports producers. They were not poker producers. Right. They were people who knew how to shoot a documentary, who had seen um, some highlights of the earlier World Series of Poker on the Travel Channel, and were really intrigued with um, the people who played, all the characters that they saw, and thought that this could be something special and so that's how it started as a documentary kind of format and then you know it, it takes months to to put these shows out we did see something even though we we didn't know i didn't know exactly what i was looking at in my the first world series i was doing um and then when it finally hit the air a few months later um it was almost instantaneous. You could just tell because you couldn't turn on ESPN without seeing that heads up match between Moneymaker and Farha. Um, and they, I, like I said, I think I produced six or seven hours of programming from the 03 World Series. So six or seven shows, but ESPN ran those shows. I think they had 14 or 1500 hours of poker on that year after it started airing because it had so much interest. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this is the exact time I got into it. You know, I was born in 86 and I think it was in okay. high school and I, you know, it was basically rounders and this double whammy same time. You know, I was like 15 probably, or no, what is that? Nine, what year is that? I don't even know. 90. What? Yeah. So yeah. 98 or something like that was rounders, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but I hadn't seen it, you know, that, that got me to see rounders when I saw the moneymaker that's like, then I heard about this movie. So like I was watching it there and then I like saw the movie and I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, that was kind of all in one thing. But it was just crazy because, you know, it really did happen, happen fast. Like it was just it just seems like the right place, right time. And if Moneymaker, I mean, what do you think is the biggest break out of all that? Is it Moneymaker? Is it him winning? Is it is it a, that different or was it still going to be great no matter what? He gets second and like the, the production yeah. was great, exciting, I, the money was big. I think it was still going to be great. Maybe not to the same degree or as quickly. Um, Farha was a wonderful character himself, and but he was uh, the grizzled Vegas veteran um, who was the epitome, I think, of what people thought of backroom poker. And Ed, um, I maybe still think to this day, which hurts advertising, I think, for one thing, but um, you had the big money, you still had Moneymaker at the final table, you had the whole cams. Um, so there were a lot of things going for us. Um, Moneymaker just made it a perfect storm, I think, in 03 that 
that really put it over the top was that here's this guy who never played a live tournament before uh, taking down everybody that was a big name in poker. And that gave you, it gave everyone watching it uh, that, you know, Mike McDermott moment where I'm going to Vegas and I'm going to do it. So, yeah, that was that was just the tipping point, I think. Yeah, and because, I mean, from the numbers from Varconi and then Moneymaker, was it then the 04 was like the insane jump? But even from 2002 to 3, it was a big jump. Oh, yeah. No, that, yeah. I think it's highly – I think it's overlooked is the Varconi effect. Just the fact it was on TV – and you had, again, uh, you had Robert Varconi, a non-poker pro, but right. this is a very smart guy, I think MIT, who um, knew what he was doing. He, I mean, he, he's like this quiet, nice, mousy type of guy in a sweet way, because I love Robert, um, whose wife is probably a better player than him, Olga. And he <laughs> wins and takes down Phil Helmuth, who loses the bet, gets his hair shaved and all, you know, on other things. But so it... It was a great story in its own, which got totally overshadowed uh, by Chris Moneymaker. And then the field tripled the next year when uh, Greg Raymer won. And, and then we know by 06, you know, we had almost 10,000. So, um, yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah, it was it was a ramp up. But Moneymaker, uh, you know, if Barconi, you know, set the football down, it was Moneymaker who kicked the field goal. <laughs> Right. It makes, yeah, it's, it makes perfect sense. And talking personally, of course, just like on, on Twitch and, and public stuff, people want to know your social, how much you make, all these different things. Like without being so specific though, when ESPN, you're doing this kind of stuff, did you just give me like a, an idea on the contract or like, how does that work? Because you guys lock in, you guys crush it. Poker's blowing up. Oh, three, you see the results like, Oh, four. Did you then, was there like a, were you on a year by year then? Did, was there like at any point, like a locking contract for the world series and now, how did it maybe shift with Black Friday? And just kind of give me like a scope of your last. How does that work yeah. in terms of with you guys? It uh, it's that has been just as rocky. Um, and so, to give you a little background, and I mentioned that all my work had gone away just a couple years before that. And so I'm going to the ATM and I'm pulling out you know my receipts with lots of zeros on it. And yeah, that's nice sometimes, but there was no number in front of the zeros. <laughs> it wasn't like a one with six zeros. It was just four zeros. You know, sorry, you're out of money. Can't give you anything. So there were some tough times and I was, you know, scrambling and I was looking for any work I could. So uh, eventually, as I mentioned, I took a job in a bank and it was a good time to be a, a lender back in, in you know, that day um, with a boom. But you know, my love was always broadcasting. I grew up in a broadcast family. Uh, my dad did it. My older brother did it. And I did it as well. So um, all in TV. Dad was a TV pioneer, you know, and you know, TV was kind of new. So that's, you know, as much as I had a, a need and a desire to, uh, you know, you know, provide for the family with any job possible, I, I'm a broadcaster. And that's what I loved. And um, so the deal with, uh, the first year, it was probably just like a typical freelance. We'll pay you X number for each show. And then, uh, the next year, uh, you know, we did maybe twice or three times as many shows, maybe 21 shows. And so this is good, you know, and I'm keeping my job at the bank while I'm doing this because my time away from the bank is only as much time as I'm going to spend in Las Vegas to watch the final table. Right. And then 
a few days here and there to produce the shows and sit in the sound booth and, and talk. Then we started doing more shows. So that took up some more time. I'm, I'm more time away from the bank because, you know, I'm only working a month, a year. I need 11 more months of income. So I'm staying with a real job. And then eventually I remember the day, and it's funny you bring this up because just yesterday I reached out to the guy who sat me down, a uh, producer at ESPN, Fred Christensen. And I, we were in New York doing our production work. He called me to breakfast. So we met at breakfast. And this was probably 06. So we had already done the 05, and it was really solidified. They knew the numbers, uh, poker from the 03 event. And then 04, um, you know, kind of solidified that we got something special here on ESPN. So I had a deal that was, you know, very nominal. It was nice side income from the work I was doing. Fred uh, took me out to breakfast. I, I did have a contract, I think it was for two or three years to do ex up to a certain number of shows on ESPN for the poker. And he said, and he looked at me, and it's the first time anybody's ever said this. I almost cried at breakfast. He, he said that we're going to tear up your contract, and I want to pay you four times as much as you're getting right now. And because we want you to do the poker for, you know, the time on memoriam coming forward. <laughs> and I remember walking away and, and calling my wife in California and just telling her this story. It was just, you know, something we had really uh, needed for one, but really wanted for my career and for us for, you know, for as long as I got into broadcasting, had security, had a good show, had good pay. And uh, it was a, a real defining moment. And um, and since then, you know, ESPN was really good to me. I, again, never needed a, con a, a, a an agent with them. And we just kind of rolled over. There was raises here and there. And uh, and then it, it just it changed. The format changed, you know, through the years. Poker plateaued a little bit. Um, I'm not complaining, you know, but things certainly have changed. Budgets have changed. Priorities have changed in the last few years for a lot of reasons. But um, I'm happy where I am. There, There's other things going on within the poker world. And uh, I'm still thrilled to be part of it and, you know, have very few complaints. And nobody will listen anyway. So I'm happy. Well, I mean, I think to your point, things have changed. There's been obviously like Black Friday in 2011, April 15th. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting time and things shifted a lot and the, the money and things have, have dipped. But there's also, you know, now with COVID, I think there has been a resurgence of online stuff. And you see the live numbers are crazy. And I think there's a lot of money just in gaming, you know, sports betting. There's a lot of talk about states getting piggybacked on with with sports. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? You can play daily fantasy in most of the states, which is like, oh, yeah, pretty obviously way less skill. Then there's poker online, which is like, Huge tax dollar stuff. You got Michigan, Pennsylvania on board. Delaware's already there. Um, Nevada, uh, yeah, Nevada, New Jersey. You get a California or a Florida or a New York, one or two more. Yeah, you got a real, you got some real, real stuff going going on. So I think it's sort yeah. of right there. It feels like it's ready to break out. Um, yeah, and that was um, actually one of the questions I saw one of your uh, Twitter followers asking about some of the changes, uh, you know, that I've seen, and and that is one of them. Is there? Maybe some light uh, at the end of the tunnel, you know, on on online poker. Um, and you mentioned California, where there is a desire for it, even just down the road. I live from the state capital, Sacramento. 
but there are so many factions involved, uh, which is because of the money potentially involved for them. And so it's like the legislator, le legislature is like almost okay with it all, but it's the people who are going to be running it that can't get their act together and make a cohesive and strong and clean proposal uh, with good actors that people can agree on. And so that's the roadblock. It's not as much the elected officials as yeah. the people who will run the poker. Um, right. I mean, I know Poker Stars did a tour. You know, they had their, their, their right. ran. Oh, yeah, they were here. Full, yeah. full so thing. it's unfortunate. And then that's the roadblock. And when you go state by state, that is a roadblock you're going to find it everywhere you go. So, uh, yeah, it's slowly growing and getting momentum. And, um, you know, again, we saw what happened when you have online poker and how much that helps the poker industry and the live poker industry. And you mentioned the live numbers after COVID have been off the charts. And to have the, you know, the number of people we had at this year's World Series, 6,500, 6,600, whatever it was. And uh, it's amazing. But we need to have the world and we've always had the problem of the advertisers the big time advertisers the beer advertisers other than you know we did old milwaukee for a little while but they need to recognize that poker is not a dangerous industry and the it's not that scary backroom world and um shows like yours and uh a point to kara scott's heart of poker podcast that that you know Tell people what poker is really like. Um, Kara, Shot, Kara Scott's show talks about, you know, it's a poker podcast without talking about poker. And the important thing is we're learning about the people, and they are people that, you know, people would like to see, advertisers like to see, same people on your show that, you know, is showing the true behind the scenes, um, you know, innovators of, of poker. And it's, it, I think it can be a welcoming environment and a group that advertisers want to reach. But I think yeah. poker still has a stain from years ago. Yeah. And I think just to touch on that too, you see Queen's Gambit, you know, I don't watch much TV, but I saw that series. That was really well done. Chess, obviously an interesting game, similar to backgammon poker, obviously, yeah. you know, more direct and best player is going to win almost always. And that makes it a little less enticing, but there is aspirationally to, to get better and grow and, and move up. But, you know, I think that that's sort of the difference. You have Queen's Gambit, which is like this glorified show that's like really well done and, and top, you know, that people can they see and they want to be like, wow, that's great. And then you got Rounders, which is sort of like the pillar of poker. And that's got like a lot of kind of, even though it's a great movie, it's got some sort of back, back, exactly, CD back door stuff, some, you know, the main character is kind of cheating and it's like all this sort of, it's just kind of CD. And then on top of that, you have like the Hendon mob, right? Which is like, the place where you go, that is the holy grail for, you know, I look back and I pretty much any poker person that plays like for a living, I'll look back and it's like their careers there, but that word's like Hendon mob. Like that's like, yeah, it's yeah. great. Great site. <laughs> right. The way we're like, we're like glorifying the game. So it's like, you start thinking about these things and these are sort of like two of the more things that are like a part of poker. And it's just sort of like, yeah, it's not really, it's not great. I think how that's, how that's portrayed. Yeah, um, and I think we, maybe there could be, you know, it's like crazy because actually there's been shows. I know there's been some pilots. I've I've seen some stuff, heard stuff, but I think there is room for a show like poker, right? That could be like a Queen's Gambit. You have guys mm -hmm. that like started with fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, and made a career for themselves. You you make this. You know, there was the two months, two million, but that was like a 
couple of guys with a cool concept, a group of guys that did something and kind of no, not real production. But if you actually had like a real show like Queen's Gambit with a group of guys are you know moving forward and, and it's got you can still have the sex, drug, rock and roll stuff. It's just you got to you know portray it maybe in more of a, of a passionate and, and light way i think that that could help but you know who knows i just yeah, I, and for a chess show you know they had a little dark side to them as well <laughs> you know in the in the queen's gambit you know they had right. a few shows there. there's mm-hmm. some drinking going on come on chess is not just you know, yeah I, got, I, I, I gotta ask you i i i got i mean most people if you're watching when they see this in here they may not know but i i have i got that ear i feel like i hear some chips clicking in the background like po- like some sort of chip do you have a game going no there? i don't i'm sorry i don't i don't know what's going on <laughs> did, you, did you hear that though i do hear that it's like a, every once in a while it's like a little like pocketing drag which is oh, nice maybe it's, it's my fun. cheat bag i don't know no i'm it, sorry i don't have it, any chips I've, it's all good i i like yeah, it it, it's it's on topic, so it's fine. I, mean, you know, I don't know if you were watching Sweating the Table or something on the side, but <laughs> I was wondering as a as the side oh, gig oh, making good. a one of those white noise machines that would be chips rippling. And I don't know if that it would excite poker players or lull them to sleep. I'm not sure how exactly. I like it. I heard a little bit. It's like every once in a while, but it just gets me, you know, ready, ready to go. All right. Well, tell me, tell me about your poker now that you've gotten into it. You've learned it. You talked about kind of getting into it as it was going. Do you play, you do play sometimes, but do you like playing? Like you go and play cash games. What, what What's your preference if you get to play, you know, poker for a day or two? Uh, yeah, it, it goes back and forth. I, I really love, and I, I, I love strategy of them. Um, maybe it, it comes from my cheap, uh, Scottish heritage, uh, nature or something like that, that with, with a tournament, it's one buy-in, you know, you, you don't have to refill the kitty. Um, but, um, I, I do enjoy uh, a really good poker tournament. Uh, uh, you know, I love freeze outs. I love deep stacks. Um, I like bigger events and, uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, I've been bitten by the bug as well. Um, I have access to people, you know, like you and Antonio and, and Jamie Kerstetter and Maria Ho and, and others who, you know, we can talk poker if we want and, and give me some insights. Um, and just being steeped in it, you know, I'm going to pick up stuff. Uh, so I really love, I, I love the tournament stuff. I, I do know the cash games are probably. Uh, required to kind of keep solvent, but at a very, I mean, I, I don't, know, I, I run really good in life and really good in work and really bad and, and hold them. <laughs> so um, I seem to run better in Omaha, but it's hard to play that that much. Um, it's very typical, I think, of my poker uh, career, as it were, happened recently at Thunder Valley Casino. We had the World Series uh, circuit event here. So I played uh, a deep stack event and I, you know, got down low early on, which is kind of typical for me. And then I just settled down, played good poker, got up to an average stack and uh, the blinds got bigger and I got stacked set under set, you know, by a new guy at the table. So then I go over to a cash game table and I get stacked flush under flush. And I'm going, all right, this is pretty typical. But then... The way my my life goes is like an old Seinfeld episode where he's he's always even. He throws a hundred dollar bill out the window and then he goes and sits on the couch and pulls out a hundred dollar bill. So after I get stacked the second time at the cash game, um, it's never happened before. But the table hits the bad beat jackpot for for twenty three thousand, and the oh, table wow. share, which is I get, is like sixteen hundred, and I walk away even for the for the week. So that's wow. kind of, 
That's kind of how go. it works for me. I'll, I'll, I'll win just enough. It's like a slot machine. You win just enough to keep playing, and uh, which is fine with me, you know. And I always walk away thinking maybe my real thing is to, you know, donate my money back to the, the poker crowd so everyone else can keep playing and watching. <laughs> so, I, I love it. Well, I, actually, I noticed your first ever tournament record on speaking of the Hendon Mob. Um, oh, there it is. There it is. You got a final table. And I think 97% of the guests about, I would say, in that range have final table their first ever live event on there, which is like kind of crazy stat if you think about it. But, you know, w- w- was this your was this literally the first time you ever played a tournament or no? Had you been it to was. cash? It was. Yeah, I, I we had a. Uh, a guy here in, in Sacramento who was starting a little local poker tour. And so they wanted to bring me on as part of the group to give advertising to the, this poker tour. And so they bought me in. It was a 400 event or 365, I guess. And um, I just, it was one of those things, you know, we're up at Harvey's in South Lake Tahoe, circuit event. And um, honestly, didn't even, I mean, there's a lot of uh, you know, tables being played. I had no idea. This is the honest truth, Jeff. They never said a word because there's other tables going on until we were like seven-handed that I even knew we were at the final table. I was so focused on what was going on, so ignorant of what was going on, and they were making no announcements about what was going on. Suddenly, we're at the the final table, and uh, you know, I took a bad beat to finish fourth, you know, and, but still I uh, have a lot of that's tips. That's crazy. That's crazy to come in the first one. You must've been, that must've been a pretty fun experience, right? Cause it's like, oh, it was, it was, oh, it was amazing. You know how hard was, it is, how much oh, it has to happen. 500 plus people. That's gotta be pretty cool. Over the moon. I was over the moon. Uh, I made the hour, hour and a half drive from Tahoe that night, fighting the snow on the way home. Cause they do it in November. Um, and just, you know, I got home and, and dumped 11,000 hundred uh, and hundreds on the bed. And, you know, my wife had thought maybe I won two grand or something like that. It's like, wow. So, uh, that, w- that was, uh, that was an amazing experience. I, I, I love doing that. That was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Is there, is there any, any hands? I mean, you've done so many, you've seen it all, the final tables, the biggest money, the biggest sweats. Is there any, you know, story or, or, or one that stands out? Was it maybe because of the, how many players there were? I mean, of course, moneymaker is pretty magical, but, was there was there any like maybe a hand even like a equity hand in the, one of the years or some hand that just was like I mean I had one or two that that I that stand out is there anyone that you really yeah. were like it actually blew your mind? Um, actually, yeah, there, well, I did have one, and then we got a second one this year uh, actually at the final table, um, and the show hasn't aired yet. I'm not gonna yeah people can know it or not, but anyway, I'll, I'll go back up just a couple of years ago. Um, I th- it might have it was the 2019 um, when uh, Alex Livingston they were ten handed uh, uh, you know uh, for the main event and it was aces versus kings versus kings and um, so that hand was amazing that the second pair of kings called Alex Livingston had folded pocket queens I think before that which saved his tournament life which made him I think eventually a third place finisher. Um, uh, it, but what I love about that is when we're able to reveal the cards even before the players know what's going on and, uh, you see the aces and then you see Kings and you know, something's going to happen. Then the very next guy wakes up with pocket Kings. And so, uh, it's the anticipation of what's going to happen on that. We had, uh, this year, uh, at the final table where, you know, the chip leader, uh, is last to act. Uh, and the big blind and 
some one guy goes all in, another guy goes all in, and then the big stack wakes up with a hand. And so it, it's just, it, it's the anticipation. That, that's what I love about the game. I was thinking about that the other day, is the anticipation. I think what I love most about poker is every hand. It's, it's being dealt every hand and wondering what that hand is going to be. I don't, I'm, I'm not a, like a mixed game guy who's going to squeeze it, you know, at the end and see, you know, how many you know spots you got or anything. Yeah. But it's just, I wonder what my hand is right now. And that every, it's like Christmas every time I get dealt the hand just to see what's going on. I'm a little sick that way, but it, it's a joy still. It is, it's fun. It's also interesting. You know, it's something where it's similar to golf. You know, you can play the same course every time, but the conditions will be different. The group you're with will be different. The, the whole place will be different. Similar in poker, you get ace king, you know, dealt to you, but you got a different stack size, different table, different situation. I think that's what's so unique. It's like in this confined space, you get so many different possibilities and combinations and situations that are just really never the same, even though, you know, the, the, you just take a few variables and it's a completely different world. So it's so fun and it's just constantly. Oh, yeah. And that's what I love about the World Series of Poker. It's it's like, you know, the, the greatest dramatic uh, comedic play on Broadway even though it's got the same title every year, it's a World Series of Poker Man event. You've got a different cast of characters every year. How they got there is is different. Their stories are different, um, and it's it's brand new every year. It's brand new every day, and and that's the beauty of it too, because it, it's still it's poker, but it's life and it's people and it's experiences and it's history. Um, it's, you know, it's our world really wrapped up in, into a poker tournament and it's really beautiful. Yeah. And I, and I like how you, you did, you said this earlier. And I think this is something that for me is the most, most important, if, if not thing that I would like to see hit home more. It's like the, the lessons and the, the, the things, the variants of life you get with poker. It's like in one you know, little spot, you get to learn a lot, right? Like, I think if you're trying to get it through legislation or people to really understand the message you could get about poker is like, look, things happen. You just said it yourself about poker. You're like, I think I'm one of the most unlucky guys in Hold'em or whatnot, which, you know, may or may not be true. Probably is if you know your situation. It's not. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but, you get but I believe point. it. <laughs> but like, still, like you realize though, that there is math, there is variance, there is situations. And then you are realizing though, just like getting the call from ESPN, like, your whole life is different, maybe because of one thing or one thing you said, or someone knew something that because you're, you know, like that is a butterfly effect sliding doors situation, just like in poker. Like you could be knocked out of the main event, Queen's the ace king off, you know, before the money bubble and you could have won the tournament, right? But like you're also because of that pain or suffering, you, you know, to make it dramatic, that moment, like the guy this year, I was there, I have, I was in a tournament, I walked by on break and I saw the hand where the guy lost with aces all into ace nine to burst the bubble. But like, just like that experience is so intense for that person, you know, he's going to bottle that energy and hopefully use it positive and find a way to like take that into his life. But the the opposite is, you know, the person that beat him or the one who won the main event, like there's just, you can take a situation, good, bad, ugly, fun, and you can use that as sort of a metaphor in life. I think that's one of the biggest things about poker. If you can get that home, that you get lessons, you get experiences, winning, losing, other people's success, your success, how you deal with wins, losses, all these things, like there's a lot of value in that. And I think that's sort of the thing that is um, that not maybe understood enough. Yeah. And and I, I start to see, I'm starting to see some movement towards that um, and how valuable the skills you need for poker can be uh, elsewhere. And 
I'm sure you know a lot of people, may, maybe you've done it yourself, who are invited uh, top pros to, to speak in a business-type forum. And right. what we're seeing now, and it, it's nice because it's dovetailing with the need to get more women in the game, is we're seeing a, a little more higher profile of groups who are uh, creating uh, poker groups for women, whether or not it's for poker or it's for business. Power Poker for one of them. You can find them on Twitter who are teaching women business skills and life skills and money management skills and personal skills um, through poker. And uh, they're having a lot of success, getting some headway. And I, I, I believe, you know, the women could very well fuel the next poker boom. I mean, they're half the population and they're 4% of the main event. And it's crazy because... Um, I, I did a hundred billiard shows for ESPN and I would, I covered the men's tour. A friend of mine covered the women's tour. And some days we would come together, have them both playing at the same time. And you just came to notice that pretty much why are there two different tours for men and women in a game like billiards? Um, there's not in poker. It's a skill game. It's not a strength game. And there's no reason why, you know, we shouldn't have more women in the game other than, again, the reputation maybe of the game, what they've heard, a bad apple here or there. I do think most people welcoming of women at the table, but it doesn't take many who are not to turn off, you know, a person coming who tells her friends, don't go there because of this. And so it'd be nice to turn that around. Right. And do you, but so what did they end up combining the tours for, for billiards no, or no? No, they keep the tour. No, I mean, well, and men, why not, though? that seems like an easy combo, especially like, what do you think the reason is that uh, it just seems kind of crazy. And is it that big of a pool? There's that big of a market for both. Uh, no, uh, it's not obviously. Yeah. When's the last time you saw a pool on TV? Um, and uh, it, it just, you know, the, the men traditionally were the tour. And then obviously the women came on later on. Um, even though the women were much better organized, they were um, much better as a group. Men can't organize anything. If you put them, you know, 10 of them in the room, you're going to get 10 different directions. And, and their tour eventually, you know, melted away. Um, and they're doing trick shot stuff now. But um, there are still little tours. But for the main tour, um, you know, we, we didn't even mix them back then. We, we had the women's tour on one table, women's tour on, <clears throat> on a different, the men's tour on a different table in the same show. I don't know why they never combine them. Um, there's a little, you know, muscle involved on the break, but it's a different style of game. Uh, and maybe it's just to make some feel safe, not having to interact with the others because, I don't right. know, crazy. Interesting. And, and what do you think... <laughs> Looking back now to the, uh, you know, looking at this footage of 2003, let's take Moneymaker to the footage, you know, now and you got Poker Go, you got Mori, got all these like amazing advances. And just in general, the game has gotten more complex, more information, big blind nanny speeding thing up, all these different changes. What to you is the most, you know, looking at the footage now, are you like kind of blown away? I mean, or is that just, I guess anything, you know, any sport, any, any stuff is moving forward progressively and always kind of changing. But um, are you are you kind of like mind blown by what's happening now with this, with what they do versus then, or is it really not that different? In your opinion? No, it is, and it's it's um, 
Boy, I listen to it, and when I ever I do listen to the early shows, uh, I cringe. You know, nobody knew how to broadcast poker. We were we were creating something that you know out of nothing. So kind of making it up as as we went along. Right. We did used, we used to bring in uh, Billy Gazes, a New York pro, uh, to help guide us once in a while on where we should be going. But as you know, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> As you know, uh, <coughs> sorry, Jeff. <coughs> As you know, through the years, with, with any sport, the amount of information uh, that they started to glean, and you know, the whole Moneyball thing and baseball, and then you started to see poker stats. I remember the first year we put up VPIP. Uh, the only year it's like, what is VPIP? And but it tells you a lot about what's going on, and so. It was a natural progression, you know, to, to collect those numbers and somehow relay them and, and try to tell the story of why somebody doing something. It was more uh, early days. It was like, well, these guys have history at another table. They probably played together. That's why he's making that crazy call right here. Uh, but, you know, as we now know, there's a lot more reasons to do that. So it was inevitable. And TV is always looking for something different. They, they, static is no good at any time, pretty much in broadcasting and sports broadcasting. There's a lot of over-the-top stuff. So um, change, you have to change. You have to keep it fresh. And, uh, you know, to see what goes on now, I just technically, you know, when we started covering live poker, uh, it was pretty basic. Um, couldn't see whole cards at first, and then we can, and then we can see, you know, outer tables, and we can interview people at outer tables, and which is a great idea, finally has come to be and um it's good to have those minds who are always thinking a year or two ahead now this is what we have now and it's great but we're gonna need you know something else in two years so it's good to have people at a higher pay grade doing that for us right no it's uh, it's for sure evolved but you know it's uh, exactly progression and, and just kind of it's cool how all this stuff has worked and that's you know, like you, you see the shot clocks sometimes being used in WPT and poker go. And then you see big blind right. mini. It's like, just kind of like, these are, it's just interesting to know, like there's always going to be things that are going to improve and, uh, and, and, and we're going to find ways to get better because this is right. like, kind of can't believe like, Oh, how did, how could we not have done big blind Annie? It's so crazy. Like it's so simple, but like, I know it's very simple isn't it. Yeah. It's um, which is, which is good. Um, tell me, tell me a bit about your, the other, the, so you've covered X games, you've covered bowling. What, what other, that kind of other stuff besides poker? Cause you're known now as the voice of poker pretty much, um, which is, which is pretty cool. But like, what, what are these other sports? What are some good stories or moments or what, which was sort of the more fun out of, out of those to do? I would imagine X games, you probably see some crazy stuff and big wipeouts and like, it's, it's, it's intense. Right. Uh, and you know, what, what do you enjoy? Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, I worked the first uh, three or four X Games, both summer and, and winter, uh, when winter came in, just because I was doing those kind of uh, features for ESPN2 uh, before the X Games. And so um, I ended up doing climbing events, I think. So not a lot of wipeouts in that, you know, uh, weird speed climbing, technical climbing, ice climbing. Um, and so... Uh, it was it was a great thing to be part of that because that, that first year we did the the x games uh might have been the biggest event that i was part of at espn up to that point and 
they just blew it out. They spent a lot of money doing it. They paid me more money than they ever paid me before and everybody else and had all the ESPN talent on site in, in Newport, Rhode Island. And it was very exciting. Uh, I got wardrobe, which was nice, you know, last time I got wardrobe. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but it, it, it had been a long grind before that. And, you know, I, like I said, I mentioned I, I did a lot of billiard shows, um, did the Tour de France and other cycling events. Uh, did probably 200 martial arts uh, fighting uh, programs, uh, kickboxing, ISKA. Um, eventually moved into you know some MMA stuff, but kickboxing I always thought was probably the best martial art combat sport there has been. Um, it took a long time for people to begin to understand what the down fighting was in MMA, but. Kickboxing was was boxing with kicking, you know. So what more do you want? And an occasional elbow thrown in. Um, and we we had a, a finale in uh, the Tokyo Dome one time, and just to see the fervor uh, of the Tokyo public for these fighters and for this event, Tokyo Dome, you know, is basically an indoor uh, baseball football stadium over there, and we were going to do uh, eight fights and determine who kind of who the K1 champion is, where the winner fights three times. The thing sold out 65,000 seats within a half an hour. And you just don't, it was amazing. You never see that here in the U.S. And so to be part of those huge events was uh, was really nice. And I, and I fast forward to the World Series, and I had some friends come out who knew what I did, and uh, but they didn't understand kind of how big the main event was. And... So they came out and they were watching the final table where uh, at that point it was uh, Norman and, and Jamie Kerstetter and myself. Uh, we were going to be doing our on-camera on open. And, yep, you know, I, I looked around because they, they mentioned this to me. Because I, I, by this time, I've been doing it so long, I don't see everything. But there are probably 15 people who were hovering around us and doing all little jobs to make what we're going to do happen. and. It does take a village to to pull this off, and so they were amazed that you know uh, all all the stuff that has to happen to make three people stand in front of the camera and just you know talk cohesively for a few minutes. And um, it made me think of, of the responsibility we all have, you know, and I have. And um, my dog wants to get down. Just in a, this is Chachi, by the way. Sorry, There's Chachi. He's a, he's a famous poker dog. And um, but. You know, to to have all these people and everything come down to this moment where there's a single shot of me. If I thought about all the people that are working to make that happen, uh, there's no way I could do my job. So right. um, we're all very lucky, and and to be part of um, really a cultural revolution and evolution uh, of poker that has worked its way into um, everyday cultural uh, nomenclature how many times in, in the last week have you heard a politician say we're all in on this or or something like that you know it's just um it's it's nice to be to be part of that and to be part of the growth of, of you know a great game like this that um is has been so good to so many people and uh very humbling uh, and I, I gotta ask you because you know you you know you see there's the superstars of our era, the guys that were around from like 03, 04, you know, 2002, obviously Moneymaker kind of put in effect. Then you got like Antonio Asfandiari, Phil Ivey, 
Daniel Negreanu, Phil Hellmuth, right? These kind of like pillars that were there on mm-hmm. TV winning events from the beginning, you know, they get recognized probably a fair amount when they're out. Um, there's obviously Twitch, YouTube, sort of a new mm-hmm. generation of content going around. But do you, I mean, you are, you've been on ESPN for a long time. And like you mentioned, three, four, five aired a lot of footage, a lot of reruns, a lot of the stuff going like, how often, I mean, when you go out in your local area around, do people, like, are you getting recognized? Because I would imagine you're, you're on there a lot. You've been on ESPN. Like, they, they cover you a lot. Do people recognize it's, you a lot? Uh, once in a while, you know. Um, once in a while, it, it's like, um, uh, I don't know, the perfect amount of celebrity where you're recognized, you know, in the poker world. And, and once in a while, people might say, oh, you were, you know, you were that guy, you know. You look familiar, um, yeah. Not, not a lot. You know, it's funny that we're not doing as much stuff on camera now, but, um, and the masking right now, you know, doesn't, you know, lend to knowing who's who right now either. But um, it's, it's when I, you know, talk, you know, at a table and they hear my voice and it's like, you can just see this. And, and so many people say, oh, I didn't know that was you until you said anything. So, um right. I guess yeah, I am the voice right. of poker. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's about the it's probably about the right amount, right? Because I even some people yeah. like you know who are, who are famous or you probably met some athletes and people like it's cool and whatever. Of course, it's nice to be successful and whatever and whatnot. But yeah, the right amount is a good way. To it's just the right amount because recently I went to a golf course and the guy says, "Oh my God, you're Lama Karen." And they, oh, and I said, "Yeah, what's what's the cheap afternoon rate here?" He says, "No." Go ahead, play for free. It's on me. That's just the amount. That's the amount I want. That's just you want. Yeah, a couple hot dogs <laughs> maybe around here and there. That's right. Um, well, tell me about this table here, man. I saw this day. I think they were advertising this the WSOP. There you oh, are, right. Norman. There. So give me a little. Uh, what's going on? How much are these? What are they? Looks nice. It looks like a very strong. No, BBO Poker Tables does a really nice job. They're, they actually are in, in Las Vegas. Norman and I visited the the factory where they where they make them. And they specialize in custom tables, and I'm not going to be their commercial for them, but they it's have a cool thing, which I'd never seen before. I mean, if somebody wants to, and they do it for charity events, have a, a custom table for a charity event or a birthday party, you can send them artwork, and it could say, you know, happy 39th and a half birthday, Jeff Gross, you know, here's your second grade class. You can send them artwork, and they can print it up, like, in a day, <laughs> and it's That's a felt cool. on a poker table. So, That's very cool. Um, They've got, uh, you know, little characters of, of me and Norman, which you can see behind me a little bit here, and um, and uh, put anything you want on them. I, I think they started ours um, as kind of a low-rent version. They've got huge pedestals, which would be a, a, a poker table that would sit there, you know, and not move. Some have folding legs underneath, which I think ours starts pretty low price point and you can just add you know whatever you want color the lights more cup holders a bigger pedestal or whatever and just build the price up but yeah um you know yeah. they're pretty reasonable for a poker table but it was just kind of a kick in the pants to have somebody reach out and say it would be nice to have uh you know your signature line and i think they might be coming out with some app where we recorded some of our poker calls on there and you could you know if a guy you know calls and of course loses with pocket pocket jacks we'll talk about the lawn mccarran memorial hand pocket jacks yeah it's a little fun stuff so it was a nice little you know kick in the pants and recognition of maybe that you know we've done something for the poker world over the years 
That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's nice to have nice. Uh, it's nice to have a nice table. That's for sure. Yeah, if you're gonna, yeah. If you run games, have games, friendly game, once a week game. It's good to have. You know, it, you've been there. I'm sure you've been to all the different types. You've been to great venues. You've been to not so nice, and it is nice when you're playing to have a nice table and chips and, and set up. Yeah, that was one of the first uh, at home features I think was ever done. Dan, we did a feature of Dan Shack's home game, and uh, of course Dan Shack has you know more money than most of us, but. Uh, to see, I mean, that was the first time I'd ever seen a luxurious poker table. Uh, it was it was a, an amazing thing that looked like the most expensive mahogany wood in the world, and all the bells and whistles on it. And it's like, oh wow, look what this can be! <laughs> so, it's, that, it's actually amazing how many tables because I know there's a couple companies that I I've, I have a few and I've got one. These look really nice too. But yeah, you can go a wide range and, and have nice yeah. tables made. But it is uh, you, it's it's surprising. I think is that people that have actual homes. They have like if you have space, right? It's like one thing in a condo can be a little bit harder if you, you know to, to throw something in. But if you have a home and you play poker and like it, there's a lot of people that have a table of some degree. So I mean, poker is like it really is a popular game. People have it. It's like a it's just one of those things that most people play at some point or or once yeah. And I, I think the great emphasis also when you have a table, what are you going to do? You're going to call up eight people to come over and play, and it's not just the poker. It's it's really what poker is always been it's it should be a social game to come and have fun and it, it does create family I, I i believe that i mean i've been told that for a long time but i really believe that you know if you're calling people up to come to your house and socialize and and play poker or, or foosball whatever you know it's it's it creates a better society a better neighborhood yeah, exactly. You can play for any stakes and, and you know, it doesn't have to be crazy. So let's, uh, let's, we've definitely, I, I've learned a bunch. I've, we've covered a lot. I do want to make sure we get time for a giveaway today. I want to, I wanna oh, what are we giving away? We're, I'm giving him 20 cash, man. I've, I've, I've doubled right. the DPC giveaways. I, I just, there's my goodbye from Party Poker three years. I usually give like Party Poker tickets, but you know about Party Poker tickets, not everyone's eligible, only part of the world. So guess what? Cash money, man. What's better than cash? You can do what you Nothing, want with man. it. So with, not uh, even crypto. Not even exactly. You could buy crypto <laughs> if you want. So uh with that, yeah. I, I got okay. Before we do start taking questions, what um tell me NFT crypto, do you what's your feel on it? Because I mean you're in it, you're in poker, people are around it, you hear it, it's talked about all the time. <laughs> What, what do you think? Are you? Are, is there a Lon McCarran catchphrase NFT? Are you, is that, have you been approached? Because po- there are some poker projects. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there. Well, it's funny. My my intro to crypto was through uh, David Williams, and mm. he worked. Uh, I was working a couple of events for them at the World Series during the uh, earlier bracelet events a few years back. And Dave is funny because you know he competed on the cooking show. Uh, very smart guy, as you know, and a great poker player. But um, while we were broadcasting poker. Uh, a bracelet event and you know we're it's i don't know final table is going to be several hours and and we're talking poker i look over at david and he's got his laptop or whatever device he's watching and he's got a youtube cooking channel up on how to like chop vegetables in a more precise way (laughs) while we're doing the show it was really into cooking at that point so he also taught me about crypto uh, he was going to, um, he, I said, well, I'd be interested. Let me know. He helped me set up a wallet. He was telling me about it. He says, I said, how do I buy it? You know, I mean, that's how much I knew. He says, well, actually I have some, the tournaments coming up, some big buy-in tournaments and I will sell you some because I need cash. He's very cash poor because he had it all in crypto. He yeah. said, I'm taking my daughter on a cruise. So he'd back in a week. We were going to work again. He comes back in a week. I hand him a check. 
And he says, uh, you know, I'm going to hang on to what I have, and I'm actually going to buy more. So I didn't get to buy any. Seriously, the next day, crypto was the first time Bitcoin had doubled in, you know, from, from what was a pretty good amount to a really big amount. So eventually I got into it and I, you know, I've done well. I don't have a lot, but it's been a nice right. ride. NFT is another thing I have no idea, don't understand. World Series put out some NFT things, so they still are, of some videos, some pictures. And they were nice to us. They said, because your voice is going to be on some of these video NFTs, um, we'll give you a, a very tiny percentage. I haven't seen a dime from it, so I don't know what's going on with that. Hold on, man. Let's let's back this truck up. I know you said you don't have an agent. You know, I do. A, I wear a lot of hats. If you need me to represent you, don't let them act like they're doing you a favor. They need you. You, you can't. They 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 gotta break you off, man. Come we'll on. talk offline. We'll talk yeah, offline. This is, okay. this is uh this is another conversation. But in the meantime, <laughs> let's let's segue into some questions and also. GG Poker, I know you've done some stuff for them. You're rocking the mug. It's in the background here. Wow. Have you, have you it's a random stuff? mug today. I, it is seriously a random mug today, but yes. All right, fair enough. GG's a, a company that you will see a lot more of, I predict, in the coming years, and uh, we'll have a bigger footprint and say so, I think, on World Series of Poker stuff. Yeah, so. I'm, I, I'm very impressed with them. You know, Obviously, it's great to see the poker world and online game uh, operators being more diverse, right? Because when it was just stars or one, someone has a monopoly, it's tricky. But now with Party Poker, GG, you know, you could throw on ACR, some other ones, the 888s, and these companies right. that are sort of like all in the mix. It helps to to make sure they're doing their best for the players, for the community, and everyone you know, motivated. So I think that's yeah. that's great. And, and I think, and I don't know if I'm talking out of school. Um, I, I don't know. But, you know, we did the uh, Norman Maria Ho and I called um, – the uh, World Series of Poker Europe final table. It was from Razvedov, Czech Republic. We did it from a studio in Las Vegas. And Gigi put together a whole production with um, us. They wanted to make it look like NFL Today, where you got the announcers who are doing it. And then they've got the halftime guys. And they, they put together a group of four or five other people, Ali Najad leading the way. Um, and um, we went to them during break and we came back to this. And it, it was amazing production and did the final table from there. I think uh, their hope is after the next world series in Las Vegas is to uh, do more final tables from international destinations. And so there's going to be some more GGP work and more poker coming your way um, next fall, I think. Very cool. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's definitely a great brand. And I think they do have the lead now ahead of even poker stars, which is pretty crazy, but Possible. Way, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's it's really been it's been interesting to see the the kind of mix yeah. of everything. It's good for the game, I think, when when there's there's multiple people. All right, well let's let's rapid fire. Let's get some of these questions in. Okay. Um, well, some of these are we've kind of covered already, uh, but we'll just kind of zoom through. What did that say? Commentorted? Come on. Yep, that's tough. I don't Tell answer you, uh, typo questions. I don't yeah, answer. Oh, you, you're a great supporter and ask a lot of good ones. We're gonna have to skip that one. Um, countries, give me some travel stuff. What, what are some places you'd like to visit for work or otherwise? Oh, wow. Um, I've been very lucky in, in my career to have been to nearly every continent um, and uh, covered, you know, kickboxing in, in as I mentioned, in Tokyo and in, in Bangkok, Thailand, and uh, in, up in Canada, done poker in Canada, done poker in Australia and, and southern south of France and England and the U.S. and um done i did two years of fishing shows or a year of fishing shows um 
you know, in the greatest fishing destinations in, in Mexico and, and uh, of course, down in Florida and the Keys and Hawaii. And is this like the, the job? Is this like, I mean, looking back, because this is, I didn't realize you did that much traveling for, for these things. So I mean, you, you've literally you've been all over for covering events and doing work, getting to work and have that coupled in. I mean, is that, is that still alluring to you now? Or are you like, oh, I want to go somewhere? Oh, yeah. You, Come so on. I mean, I got, I got shut down. I was two weeks away from going to play. And, and be a World Series ambassador at a casino in Morocco two years ago where the World Series poker circuit was going to go and we got shut down for COVID. So I'm waiting to get back there. Uh, I filled it in with uh, going to Aruba down there and making back-to-back final tables. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, just wherever I can go, you know, did some hiking in Italy a couple of years ago. And I, I love I love my travel. I, I have not gotten tired of that. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, with poker as well, that's that's for sure what I would say. One of the best things has been no matter what happens. Oh, yeah. Over there, yeah. The traveling and you know, having opportunities to do that stuff. It's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, what what good changes have you noticed lately for poker? Duck Dodgers asks anything noticeably nice recently? Um, yeah, I. You already, we've mentioned a lot of it, you know, big blind Addy. That's enough said there. That's uh, a done deal. People fought it for a little bit. Um, I think there's still a little battle on what goes first, the ante or the big blind when somebody short stacks. <laughs> um, the, the, the bloom of being, bringing more women into the game. Uh, we mentioned that and, and power poker and, and other people and some of the uh, women's tour groups. Um, it's, it's just, it's, I think it's untapped. I really do. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of women playing poker and people talk about it, but it's still untapped. They got to figure out a way to make it easy and normal for the women to get into a, a, a local poker room and, and work their way up. Um, and just to have platforms as mentioned like this one to, to, you know, tell people about the game and it's not the smoky back room that, that really, I think still permeates the game for a lot of, uh, newcomers and and the advertisers out there um and uh just the momentum of yeah, bringing man. online online poker back you know i i want to say it's the same you know it's a, it's 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 a bit um it, yeah it's a weird thing where it's like you you know sports seem to have quickly jumped where it's like people are doing you know espn now is like oh it's the game like in the standard thing it's like oh plus 160 minus 140 this is becoming mainstream now where it's just right like, in other places but like yet yeah, poker you know it's like i almost yeah when i when i go to a dinner or somewhere people ask like they almost seem fascinated by it but in some respects it does it's kind of like it's like a it's like a professional poker player you know I, granted i do a bunch of other stuff now content business side but like as representing yourself as a poker player it still kind of gives you can feel energetically that people are kind of like it's sort of like not a you know it's sort of you got to like almost uh, explain yourself or like, Oh, gaming, like- gaming is so big now. I mean, it, now golf channel has contracts with gaming things and you see at least once, uh, around I'm a big golfer and, and you see they, they have to bring it up. They bring up a list is, Oh, look, before the tournament started, uh, Bryson DeChambeau was, you know, plus 300 and now he's, you know, minus, you know, 700 or whatever. It's just like, they're teaching people about gaming and they're talking about porn spreads on golfers. So come on, poker. Right. I mean, even I think Bryson, I think Bryson is uh, sponsored by DraftKings, um, which is, you, you know, see a number of them. Yeah. And back in the day, I, I became good friends with Paul Azinger the year he was uh, captaining the Ryder cup 
And he was getting crap because, and the only reason I met him because he was playing the main event because of Poker Stars. And he, the the PGA would not let him wear a Poker Stars logo uh, on on courts. That's Crazy. how far we've come there. And now you see guys, um, John Rahm's wearing his CBD patch. You know, it's like, come on, grow yeah. up, people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's tricky though because then like you know, Cat. I think I'm gonna pronounce his name wrong, but Campbell. He was a Baltimore Raven player. Was just competing in WPT here in, in South Florida. Cash went went in there and like was kind of openly basically saying, you know, Richard Seymour he looks up to as like a mentor, and then he plays. And it's like cool, but it's like still as an athlete, you know, you're still like a little worried or agent how it's like perceived. You know, are you telling people to gamble? Exactly. And like it's like that's the thing. Look, man, if you want to have a bad habit. Uh, or you can't control yourself, whether it's you could name a lot of different vice like or alleged vices. It's like it's all it's up to people's control and, and, and their self. And, and you can play different stakes. No one's saying go put your mortgage up or go crazy. And, you know, it's exactly. Just, it's just like you could play one dollar, two dollar risk, one hundred dollars or twenty dollars or play online one cent, two cent and like have zero risk. So, yeah, it's tricky. I think we're again, Lon, let's let we can be the poster for that. Let's. Okay. Let's, forward. Let's find it. Maybe we can come up with a, maybe we'll get my Salzburg or some people creative and write a, a show. I'm surprised Matt Salzburg who did weeds loves poker. One WPT player of the year. You know, like you would think he, he might want to craft up like a, I, don't you think a poker show? It's got all the things like you could have a great show. Yeah. Well, like, and, and we've always called the main event, the greatest reality program on television and because it's real. So we've already got a reality program, you know, a reality show. We don't have to make anything up. We just have to package it in a format that is not, you know, eight hours long every day, like call on the live main event. And that's another downside that I don't know what to do about, Jeff, is, is that I know the WPT used to massage the structure as you got down to the TV table. Um, but the World Series is never going to do that. So I don't, I think these one hour package shows are, away we got away from those for a little bit but now we're, they're coming back and they're easily digestible they're in periodic uh, episodic format where one leads to another and there's only 15 you know it's like streaming narcos you know uh mexico on tv now you can just watch it and you can binge it or not you know it's just but people i think have to get reintroduced to the new poker that way and um then maybe they want to go and watch a live stream but that's another thing is just like a most podcasts, no, no harm intended, but are too long. <laughs> so it just they need to be easier to be digest. And and watching a live stream for nine hours is not for everybody. For sure. Yeah. Well, what based on your podcast, that's interesting because I, I actually have had some three-hour ones and stuff. And you know, you see Joe Ingram and other yeah. ones. It's like it's interesting because a lot of it too, I, I look for like repurpose, just kind of talk. First of all, it's fun because you know, even someone that we've never really got to really we've done some commentary together. Um, we, we chatted a bit and stuff, but it's nice to talk. Someone kind of get to know them and learn things. And it's interesting. Right. That's true. I think like nowadays the content is so like TikTok, you know, short minute, two minute, five minute, little clips, little segments. Right. It's like, it's tricky. Cause I like, no one has, like they say, no one's got time for that. It's like true. Like, are you going to watch an hour podcast? Or are you going to watch uh, you know, game of Thrones or um, billions? Exactly. Or, there's only so much time. People are busy. They got their, their parents, their, or whatever it's like there's it's just a bit um, what what do you think is like the best time i'll just ask you while we're on the show what, what is the target time on a podcast you think is good from your experience uh i mean my 
I mean, I've been not flying and, and driving more uh, if I'm going to LA or Vegas. And so I'm in the car longer. And so I can, I can kind of take it longer, but um, most of the time, you know, I'm looking for under an hour. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, it's almost just, even if it's amazing and it's your favorite person, it's like at some point, exactly. It's like the, you have to like, you don't want to feel like you're missing some of it. So you kind of want to watch it all, but like, how do you, you know, you, you can't really, you have to commit um, at a certain point to, uh, I, I, it's an interesting thing. I'm trying to figure that out. I think, I think you're right. Yeah, No, it's like, I learned in college is like the best way to write a 20 page term paper, uh, is to write a 40 page term paper and then edit it down to 20. And we, we do that a lot in this smaller format where I'll, I'll have stuff written, ready to go for the show. And then, um, I prepare for shows where, I don't know, in my mind, it's like if Norman dies during the show, I've got to fill the rest of the time. So I'm ready. <laughs> if he dies, I can fill the rest of the show. But I know he's going to be talking. And I found out if I say a quarter to one third of the stuff that I prepared, it's much better. It comes across. Are you calling out Norman's health? Do you think he <laughs> Norman is great. Is liability out there? I mean, that's a no, 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 no. Don't worry. He's strong right. as ever. I just saw him last week. Fair enough. I, I've not, he's a guy I've never gotten to really work with or, or talk with, but I like him. I think he just seems like a really, you know, nice, good guy. And his jokes, my dad actually had a question. My dad, uh, let me let me get a couple of my dad questions because he helps prepare notes sure. every podcast. So he says these, it's one of his questions are, there are people who criticize Norman Chad for his crappy jokes. He puts in, in like, like people will say, because I love his humor and I think you guys work perfectly, but he, there are people that will, uh, you know, everyone, of course, you can't please everybody. How do you deal with comments about your partner's jokes on the show? And do you like Norman's jokes? You've alluded, you love his humor. You love it. Do you think like, does it, I mean, is there, would you do anything differently or do you think it just works perfectly? Because I actually, I like his jokes. It's kind of oh, like, yeah. just like I, his, he, he's one of the smartest people I know. And um, there is always some uh, intellect and in, in every little joke he has, whether it's inside, whether it's just coming from a different angle, whether it makes you think about it or something like that. Right. Um, and so, no, I, I appreciate it very much. And it's a lot of times there's a, it's either building towards something or paying something off. So there's a lot of smart stuff in there in the, the, the small stuff that he says. I, I, I love it. And um, there are many times where we've got to stop down from recording because I'm literally laughing too much to talk. So yeah, I think, <laughs> I'm um, a big fan. <laughs> I, well, but this is, this is obvious, like, just like anything, it, 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 the, there's going to be people that that love it and people that don't. It's just how it is. Oh, exactly. Like some people like in poker, especially some people just want technical analysis or whatever. And some people like the humor and light. You got to know who your, who your uh, target audience is. Yeah. And, and that's why our, our, our commentary for a tape show versus the live show is going to be very different. And that's why when they, we did the live show uh, for X number of hours a day. And then the production group just kind of chopped that up into one hour segments and aired it. It didn't work because it's a different style of, of, of broadcasting and different information and different sensibilities and different viewers. So, for sure. Um, I'm going to take a couple from my dad here and then we'll just do a few more. Okay. Here. <laughs> we're, getting out, we're getting, yeah, we're, 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 we're getting past the, the optimal length for sure. But I like oh, when I'm on a podcast, I think we could go four hours. It's not a problem. Right. I'm very set the record. You yeah. know, my <laughs> I think we did about three hours. I had Mike the mouth on. I'll play you a song in my ukulele after a while. Okay, that's fine. All right. Well, we can do it. It's well at intermission. No. Two two hours in, we'll do that for intermission. <laughs> there you go. Um, Promise. All right. You played baseball while you were a student. Had teammates who went on to be professional careers. Do you stay in touch with former teammates? And is baseball your favorite sport other than poker? 
Um, yeah, let's start with that. Uh, it's, it's evolved. I, I always loved baseball. I, I couldn't play it after a while just because I, I had torn a rotator cuff and had some some knee issues and stuff like that. But yeah, I was uh, I was always on track in my mind to be a pro baseball player. And um, from, you know, the very first Little League game I played, which I threw a no-hitter to, you know, the very last game I played where I think I broke my ankle. So it was uh, um, it was a lot of my life and really wanted to, to do that. I, I enjoyed it. And it would have been almost perfect timing, too, with the salaries that went up by the time I would have been pro. Um, but uh, now it's evolved to where I love to play baseball. I still It's one of my favorite sports to watch. I'm a big hockey fan. But I play more golf now than than anything, and uh, that's kind of where I am right now. So it's fun. Very cool. And golf, right? You're a pretty good golfer. You play a lot, or you like golf? Yeah, yeah. I I have been playing the best golf ever in the last couple of years. Uh, I'm hooked up with Matt Savage and the group of 80 players, and we meet up every year for uh, a week somewhere else, somewhere in the U.S. or Canada or um, Mexico, and and you know play for a lot of money here in Texas. I, I started taking lessons and, and I've gotten more into it. it. It is a, you know, it's like poker too. I think at, poker and golf to me are the perfect, they, they complement each other perfectly. Even the tournaments, like how it works with the cuts, you know, how it gets deeper, the payouts, the structure, like it's really almost yeah. a pure. And also I think to get the analogy of like starting, let's say you're a 120 or 110, you know, to get down to a 90 or 95 is similar in poker. Like to go from hopeless and beginner to like being able to, you know, memorize the hand rankings where to start openings like you can get better but to get from like a 77 or 8 down to a 75 or seven, you know to scratch to a plus like that is where you know it's Different like world. it's so hard like that is it's like the difference is impossible almost so it's like i think that 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 really kind of translates well to understanding how what it takes and what it is to be oh like, yeah and it gets into your mind too i mean i played yesterday for the first time in a, in a while um and I shot even par on the front nine and I'm 10 over on the back nine. And that's, it just gets in your head. It's crazy. It was the worst 82 I've ever shot in my life. And, and, it, and, it, it, but, and it's also like, I, I notice when I'm golfing or if I'm playing even lessons or some playing, you know, holes where I play a few holes, like it's amazing too. I think the mind, right? Like when you're poker and when you're like, when you have nothing on your mind, when they're not stressed, you're not relaxed, you're not having to deal with like logistics and things and you're just in your, your space. It's different. When you, and when you, there's times where I got like, I'm at my lesson in the morning You know, I got podcasts coming in a couple hours. Got to be ready for, prepare for. I got my son drop. Like when you have all these things going on and then like you're dealing with stuff, trying to set, like it, you're thinking about a lot. It's like, you're, you're, it's like when you're thinking at the golf course and you're not focused, like it's, it's tough. Right. And I think that's true. You know where I first heard that, Jeff, uh, you know, where I first, the very same thing you said, super system. <laughs> Doyle Brunson wrote that in 1979 or whatever it was. It's like, you can't be distracted. It's got to be all about poker and don't drink. And, and I think that's one of the hard things today. And you look at some of the crushers yeah. and the best in the world. And like, you really realize that when you go in there and you're competing at the highest level and you see some of the guys, like it's very rare. You're going to see these, these, the guys that are in the top 0.01% on their phone or unfocused. And like, that's exactly. something that been interesting for me where, you know, I've, I've dove more into content the last five years, but I'm at the table. I'm texting, I'm doing Instagram story, I'm filming a vlog, I'm talking to this, like, I'm not really <laughs> fully engaged. I'm coming late, I'm like, whatever. And it's like, that's hard. You know, it's hard to be the best. Like, you don't see LeBron James or 
these guys like yeah, right stories <laughs> and filming their thing and in between timeouts and like whatever right you know it's like yeah i think that's that's an important thing to know it's also just important to be aware of it and realize all right well hey if i'm doing something different or if i'm going about it differently like i don't expect the same results you know and that and, and you have to find your sort of bread and butter in another way yeah guys said it to me this year when i was wandering the main event it might have been Elliot lezer or something like that it's like this is on i'm sitting there i'm watching these guys on their phone and they're texting and they this this is the main event you know come on yeah, it, it, it's it's I mean, that's a, there, there's so many things going now, though. It really is overwhelming. Like with this day and age, I have a two and a half year old thinking about in five years or eight oh, years. Or whatever, right like, where, what's happening? The metaverse, like just like even even to be in high school or college, I can't imagine. Think about when you were in college and you're playing a sport and whatever. And like now, though, if you're playing that now, there's NIL. I'm curious, actually, on your thoughts on that, because, you know, playing uh, sports through through around this like this is a wild time. Imagine being like a freshman <laughs> at Michigan and like you got your guys, you see guys getting real or, or Alabama guys are getting million dollar, two million dollar deals, local car dealerships. It's basically like boosters now are able to ba- find out, you know, legally pay people. And exactly. It's like it's just yeah. kind of wild, though. Like you're now you almost need as a freshman in college, like an agent or a manager to deal with this other stuff, because like you get lost on Instagram, Twitter. I mean, like all these things now, there's so many distractions, DraftKings, sports betting. Um, like every year is a new wild west for some reason and some you know it's it is crazy you're absolutely right yeah, yeah. um all right i gotta ask you about mortgage banker so five years you were a mortgage banker with your background in sports and love of competition were you just waiting for something more interesting to come around and are you still a licensed mortgage banker were you was that what you were basically like i'm gonna be a mortgage banker and then this popped up or was that just like a time no a- that, that was that was out of total necessity and desperation um and it was, I remember the moment where I had to sit down, literally sat down on the kitchen table with my wife and said, nothing's happening. Uh, we got to pay the mortgage. Uh, we got no money. I, we have to leave TV. And I met my wife at a college radio station. So we, we were steeped in media for, you know, decades. And um, no, it was something I had to do. And I had a friend uh, working uh, at the bank I worked for. And uh I ended up loving it, actually. And maybe because it was a great time to be a mortgage lender, rates were crazy low, uh, money was flowing, the the loans were good, um, it got a lot of people into trouble. Um, I was one of the good lenders. That's why I didn't do great. I did good, but not great. But uh, I, I stayed with the bank for those years, even though I was doing the World Series shows, because they had been really good to me, allowed me to get away and do the World Series shows, fly back and forth. Uh, it all came to a head before my manager knew I was doing it. I was flying to New York on weekends and doing the shows, taking a 6 a.m. flight from New York back to San Francisco. And I'm in the office, you know, by 9.30 or 10 in the morning on Monday. They didn't even know it. And then some guy had the temerity to uh, have a, you know, appendicitis attack on the plane. We had to land at Denver and I was like eight hours late for work. So I had to tell him what was going on. So. Wow. But they loved it. It was fine. Very cool. And you are known as the voice of poker. You studied communications in college at UC Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. While you were growing up, did you kind of know, uh, you know, did you have people in the communications industry that influenced you? I think you mentioned you had some background, family and, and stuff. That yeah, no, I, I, I wanted to be a pro baseball player. And then when I realized that was going to happen, I was going to get into the family business. Uh, my dad was in radio and television uh, where I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. 
He was kind of an afternoon movie host, the radio station he worked at. Uh, at the time, had played Elvis's first record ever, so he ran into him several times in, uh, in Memphis at WHBQ. Uh, moved to California because my dad got a job in San Francisco. My brother and I both went to UC Santa Barbara many years apart. My brother worked at the uh, newspaper there. I worked at the radio station. Uh, got a little job in Santa Barbara Radio and kind of moved up from there. So it was um, it was a slow progression, but I knew that it wasn't a normal job. And I think uh, that's kind of how I was just cut, you know. I wasn't built for offices, even though I had one office job that was really a lot of fun. Um, so it was just something that, you know, felt comfortable. I felt I was a good at. I didn't feel I was a normal broadcaster because I, I like to bring something different uh, to whatever I do, some humor, some uh, danger, as it were, because nobody, you know, the broadcasters, or my dad particularly, was just a straight-laced newscaster type guy. Mm -hmm. uh, never went off book. And, you know, the type of shows we do for the World Series are it's just, you know, built for, for me and Norman and for my type of personality. So I, I love it. Still, and did you know, did you know, though, you had a great voice for TV and, and, and radio? No, actually, I, I, I remember doing little videos, uh, fake newscasts in high school, and I, I got endlessly you know, teased about my voice actually at that time. Um, it's changed wow. through the years just from because of the physiology of, of always doing it and your vocal cords change and everything. Yeah. Um, and so, but now I got teased endlessly for this weird nasally voice that I had. Um, but also I've had people tell me uh, that they're flipping the channels and they they hear my voice and they say, oh, poker's on. You know, so that's nice. You know, it's and that's what what more do you want if you're a, a network than to have somebody clicking through channels and stop on your channel for X number of reasons. So if I'm that's one of them, awesome. that's nice. <laughs> and actually, you're right. I'm officially I think uh, I'm right here. Hold on. Um, of course, Blake, great Mike Sexton and I were buddies and inside he writes, uh, may all your pots be monsters. That was a standard. But at the end, this is right at the bottom. He says, you you are the, the greatest voice in poker. So I I think it's official because because lovely Mike Sexton said it. You got to get that blown up and put on the wall, man. That's a nice. Yeah, nice I know, right? Yeah, yeah. that's, He's a, lovely that's man. the legend yeah. of legends in the game, and giving you the, the 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 nod there on that. That's that's pretty sick. Yeah, um, very. Oh boy, warm my heart. Yeah, very very cool. Um, let's see here, a couple more. Like I want about stress in there. Do, do you feel? And this kind of goes with another question. Do you feel ever stressed about? Uh, continuing because of the time spent commenting on the games. We see a question here. This kind of spars me to another one as well. From This is from Hanio75. Do you find your job exciting or does it get stressful um, because of, you know, even trying to feel like you need to do something different or is it just unique enough or is it actually stressful or just fun? Um, it, it's both. and it, it, It's initially stressful um, because I put a, uh, you know, a high bar of success on myself and, one of the things I consciously do is try to make every show different. Right. How many ways can you call a flop? You know, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of hand combinations, but um, both Norman and I work very hard and talk to our producers, you know, they know how hard we prepare. Um, so there is that stress level of, of getting ready and you never know what you're going to get uh, from show to show. It's, it's, 
you know, it's a surprise gift. You know, you wonder, you open it up. What do we have now? We got to deal with it. It's, it's like, you know, a cooking show with mystery elements, you know, what are you going to do with whatever is inside the box? Mm -hmm. So um, we worked very hard uh, at kind of seeing what gifts can be pulled out and what little fun things can be done. And so that's the hard work is us preparing for the shows and that's where it gets stressful. By the time we get in to do the shows, and I'm talking about the taped programs, we're both really ready, and we're both ready to to play off each other. We don't know really what the other one's going to bring, and uh, that's where the fun comes in. And so we both have fun in the booth with each other. Doesn't always work, um, but you know our goal is to make it interesting a for ourselves, and then to relate that to the audience and 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 make it fun. So it's both stressful. Uh, it's a lot of work. Um, but if we can pull it off, it sounds like we're not working hard and we're just two guys talking poker, having fun. And uh, if we can do that, then we've done our job. For sure. And tell me about canceled culture and this, like you worry with being a figure and you're on TV, you, you tweet, you do things. And nowadays, like people, you know, there's a lot of change, right? From what you've seen. And I'm sure you've seen some people, even people you probably know are fairly well that, you know, say a comment, make a statement, do something. Do you think about this? Does this worry you at all? Or are you just, you know, you just, it's not, I mean, it doesn't seem like you're a controversial really type of guy, right? You're not like pushing that. I have my moments. <laughs> right, right. Well, so yeah, tell me, do you, does this worry you? Does it bother you? Think that this is kind of crazy? Like, what are your thoughts on this whole movement and, and what's happening? Yeah, it's one of the things I may have just kind of given into um, during the last election, presidential election. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I got a, I got a lot of grief for a lot of the stuff that I was saying, and in the end, I felt it just it wasn't worth it. And there's always, I mean, one of my least favorite slash favorite comments I get after I write something like that is "stick to poker." You know, um, we don't need to hear your other, you know, you know, opinions or whatever, and. Uh, which I always hated, you know, it just makes a one dimensional person out of you. And, you know, you have to realize everybody's got opinions. You have to respect them. You have to understand that, you know, we're all trying to fight our fight and, and get through the day. Right. But you have to listen, you know, and I find to listen to other people is invaluable to learning about who they are and learning about who we are, and who the world is. But it's unfortunate, you know, you just get shut down as a one dimensional poker announcer uh, just for being human. And so it turned out it just wasn't the grief. And, and I've talked to other people about it recently who have, have gone even further and get away 100 percent from social media and they just feel this relief. So I was able to feel that relief just by eliminating that one aspect and, and uh, you know, maybe not ruffle the feathers so much, but if, if I've got some few things that I'm very strongly opinionated about and I'll bring up if, if I need to. Um, but, you know, uh, just respect other people, respect their opinion. They don't have to be caustic. And so it's unfortunate, but it right. happens. For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm aligned with you there. It's also, it kind of can be, yeah, like the Twitter stuff, it's fun and it's it's interesting. You can learn and read a lot. You can also end up a lot of time there and back and forth. And you got, again, it's like, it's an interesting space and you, you got to realize. It's a waste of time. Yeah, I know. And then, yeah. you know, you, you spend like all day pissed off at somebody uh, on Twitter or whatever, you know, and all this going on here is like, just 
talking about, oh, this guy did this, like, and then you click on it, and they're like, three followers they have, like, oh, what yeah. am I doing? Wasting my yeah. time. <laughs> this, I, I found myself like, because I do a fair amount of giveaways. I like to just, like, give away stuff, money, tickets, <laughs> things. I think it's fun. But, like, I'll have, like, you know, every once in a while, someone will win, and then, like, before the day's over, the next day, you know, they're like, where's my thing? What the hell? You know, like, coming at me. I'm like, man, this makes me just, like, it feel, I'm like I have to breathe and realize, like, all right, I hear what they're saying, but it's like, you know, this type of stuff, like you can't make everyone happy. Everyone's got their own sort of way right. about it and, and visual and thoughts on how they, things are. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, yeah. it's a, you got to do breathing exercises and realize like some people aren't rational and also, you know, is it worth it? Right. Am I going to fight with someone or, or you yeah, know, right. And I, and not the three followers invalidate your opinion. It, it just, you know, you have to pick your battles. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the way to put it. All right. Do a couple more here and then, um, We'll we'll uh, we'll do the giveaway. Uh, right. How do you rate the chances of tournament poker being recognized as an Olympic sport? And do you consider poker a sport? Zero. Yeah, they're not going to do it. I mean, if they took off baseball and softball. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think that I, I agree. It's we have an Olympic play. sport in poker. It's called the World Series of Poker. There you go. Very very true. But to be fair, I mean, baseball. That's insane. I think too. Um, but uh, you know. There are other sports like creator things that are kind of wild that like are like maybe not heard of or think of that would be that are. But yeah, really I mean, how many we had uh, at maximum? What was it like 200, 208 countries involved in a recent Olympics? Um, and I, yeah, you know, I don't know that you're going to find teams from all 208 countries. Not that you have to, of course, but right. yeah, it's we've, we've got the Olympics of poker already. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I just Google. I was just curious on that. Do you, do you know how many countries are in the world? I, I thought uh, in the world. Yeah. Wow, it changes every day, doesn't it? I, I, I guess because this uh, number shocked me a bit. Uh, I don't. Is it? Is it like three hundred and ten? I don't know. It says one hundred ninety-five. One ninety-five. Yeah. Uh, Does that count Canada? Yeah. Uh, some reason Canada's Canada, not a real country anyway. Canada yeah. takes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it does. But anyway, it says there are 195, that this total 100, 193 that are members of the United Nations and two that are non-member. Um, really? Palestine okay. and Holy See. Anyway, yeah, interesting. I thought it was like 220 or something, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe, who knows, man? There's so much fake news. Did you just look that up? Did you just, just look that up? How many countries are there? 195 countries. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't know. 195. Um, I'm not sure if that's right. Well, anyway, it seems small. It is a small world, Jeff. You know? I thought it was 220, man. That seems seems all right. Yeah. All right. Last thing, solvers. Opinion on solvers. Let me queue up the giveaway. Uh, solvers. And who's your poker mentor? Let's do those two. I'll just put them. Um, I yeah, solvers. Yeah, I barely. I don't do solvers. I've got just gotten into to, to range charts just a little bit right now with, with yeah, Doug Polk. Um, and what was the other one? My mentor. Yeah. Do you have a? Poker oh mentor? wow. Um, for poker, you know, again, I, I've recently just wanted to try to become a better player. And I have been reaching out to some of the poker pros that I work with. Um, so I guess they would be my mentors. I've got some friends who play, who will be the first ones I text and go, this happened to me. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, nobody. Nobody in particular. Not really. You know, like I got Doyle Brunson. I got to play next to Doyle this summer in a little video fake poker tournament we did at the main event final table when yep. Vince Vaughn came in. So that was, I sat next to Doyle uh, and that was a highlight in my poker career actually, because uh, 
I Chuck raised Doyle and then I knocked Doyle out. And just before that, he showed me 10 deuce before we folded it. It was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but the check raise, you had it or no? Uh, yeah, I actually had, I had pocket jacks. He had ace queen, an ace flop, the jack flop. I checked raise him and then knocked him out. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. You got to, you got to get a, get do it all. Very nice. Well, that, yeah. that is cool. Yeah. I'm trying to, I, Doyle, I have one great Doyle story from meeting him and he's, you know, he, he is just, obviously he's the guy, right? Mike Sachs yeah. and Doyle Brooks. And those are two of the guys in poker. that are just like iconic as it gets in our, in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Doyle's, I mean, that guy is impressive. He's still competing, playing and, and around. He's and, so uh, sharp, man. He is so sharp. <laughs> he's just one of those guys. He's just, yeah. he just gets it, gets it done. Um, all right. Well, let's hear. I loaded up this giveaway. Let's, uh, right. let, I'll let you choose it. You tell me when you count it down and then someone's going to win 20. What am I going to do? What am I doing? You, however you want. You could do your ukulele. You could just count it. You could talk about it. You could just say. Oh, are you going to choose? I have to do anything? You don't have to really just, you just tell me when, because I loaded oh, it up. Okay. Oh, you got a randomizer thing? I got serious stuff here. This is not. This is All right. Um, let's count to uh, eight, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Now. Boom. There it is. Choose a winner. I am sure. Let's see who's going to get it. 20 in the pocket, man. That's not bad. You never know what 20 can do. Look at that name. I'm not going to go for the pronunciation, but I am going to message him. Um, it's man. What do you give a shot at that? You, can you read that? You want to give a shot at what that says? Is it this Cubans? At, oh, no, it's, this. it's, oh, I, oh, it's that name. Yeah. I'll, no way. Zvegnes French. That's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. Zvegnes Either way, French. he's going to, he's going to get 20. German. And, and I think he's, I think he he's might have won. Oh, okay, yeah. He's won, this guy's won about. stuff before, man. Look at this. Some guys have all the luck, man. This guy, this guy's won multiple giveaways over the years. I mean, that's pretty crazy. So good for him. And yeah, man, Ron, listen, this has been a pleasure. It's very nice to get to chat. I feel like I've learned stuff about you, about poker, about the, the, the industry, the career you've had. Very interesting and, and very, you know, congrats. Very cool, man, to see you. I have a question for you. I think the last time we saw each other was dinner at Carbone, maybe in Vegas. With and where is Antonio? What happened to Antonio? He dropped he, off the face of the earth. You know, he's around, man. He's a family man. He's got three kids now. He's got I two know. boys, a girl, and he's he's too doing big well. for us. Too big yeah. for us now. Yeah. Yeah. He, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> you know, he's doing great. I talk to him all the time. And uh, yeah, man. Cheers. Thank you so much. Look forward to collaborating. Thank you. I'm a commentary. I, I love it. Well, hopefully we'll be, we'll be doing some stuff. Some cool I would stuff. love to, that'd be great. Yeah. We'll do a bracelet event together or something next season. I love it, man. I, I love it very much. Thank you so much guys. That's Lon McCarron. That's number 165 in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. We will have some big podcasts coming this week. Stay tuned. A lot of action, a lot going on. And again, big thanks to Lon and we will see you on an episode very soon.